thoughts? Hey Danny, can you believe it is September? That is bananas. It, it is it is bananas actually, and I know bananas. I at one point I don't want to I don't want to brag, but I was I was a, a banana aficionado. I mean that's what, what? they called me. Uh, they no, called they me, did not. They <laughs> they called me Banana Dan in high school, and did they uh, really? no, I just, I just everything I just said was not true. Okay, because if they did call you Banana Dan, that is the that is not the worst that they could have done. I was I had some some bad names called to me. I was I, you know growing up, it wasn't easy in uh, in Midwestern Ohio to be honest with you. And, and my childhood wasn't necessarily fantastic. It wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't great. I got really lucky. I, I could tell my story of growing up that that I, I went to a high school and middle school kind of grade school where there were there were clubs and niches like there was like you know we were the nerds and there was the jocks but like everyone got along together and like no one was necessarily mean to anybody i'm sure like people talked behind people's backs but right. you know like some of these high schools and things that i see like everyone's like really mean but like i'm like i didn't see that like we were all just kind of friends like i was friends with like the one of the like the lead you know like football player and stuff like that like because he was a game nerd but like i was also in bad bands so, like you know I, I don't know we like all got to we were all friends at some point but like we still had our own divides i don't know it was, it was interesting yeah well i don't know how it was in arizona do you you spent all your life in arizona right yeah i mean i well no we we moved when i was a kid to colorado for a couple of years but basically i was born in mesa arizona raised in mesa arizona and lived in mesa arizona um it's uh you know, I, I went to a private high school because I, you know, basically needed the flexibility to travel uh, the world and play chess professionally. So um, we went to school. My my brothers both went to school in, to, at Mountain View, um, or as their rivals called it, Mountain Pew. Um, so the uh, the Mountain View Toros uh, on Lindsay and Brown. That was the that was the high school that we went to in, in Mesa, Arizona. And uh, so sometimes when I just didn't want to dive into the conversation of why I went to a private school and being a chess player and whatever, I would the people like, oh, where'd you go to high school? I'm like, oh, Mesa Mountain View. They're like, oh, Mountain View. I know I went to Red Mountain or I went to this. So so sometimes that's the easy out because that was our district. Um, mm, but I didn't yeah, deal yeah. with a lot of that like high school High drama. school drama. I, I was not a part of the high school drama scene. First of all, I was a very late bloomer. I grew like four and a half inches in like my senior year to like being 18. So I was I was not like in in like the cool crowd and I was a professional chess player. Which um, is cool, which is pretty cool. So I sort cool. of had a unique, you know, I had a unique high school upbringing in that sense. And then, um, you know, as I, you know, developed into a young professional, 18, 19, 20 years old, I mean, I kind of transitioned out of being a player and into what we've talked about, you know, what I do now, basically, essentially the the long road in hindsight had begun. The journey started then. And so it was just interesting, you know, and I, I didn't, I don't always have the normal high school reflections in that way, which I really like in some ways. I really wasn't a part of the the social high school angst, but, um, you know, I know some people, um, some people look back and, and like that, although I, I never want to like hurt people's feelings, but I often say if someone feels like high school was the best years of their life, they're probably, it probably, it may, uh, what's the right way to say that is there's no politically correct way to say it, Danny, you've already said it. So just say, it. yeah, they're probably not in the best place <laughs> or, or if, uh, or if they're longing for that, maybe they don't have their priorities in the right place. You know, as Spoon said, James, beware of the underdog or you will not survive. So, this you know, the true. late bloomer is really what it's about these days. It's true. I mean, it, that's kind of funny that you say that too, because no, I agree. Like whenever someone's like, oh man, you know, college, I just loved my college experience. It was so great. And just like, it's the best years of my life. So I was like, dude, the best time of my life is as soon as I got out of there, I was like, I started making money. Right. I could buy stuff. Like, Well, the right answer was always too, that the best time of your life is now. 
right? I mean, honestly, I think that it's hard to look back with regret and even resentment through some of the trials and tribulations we all go through, you know, whether we have dysfunctional issues in our family that upset us or things that happen. To me, I look back at it as as long as I'm present and and not not saying every day is happy, right? Happiness is externally based because it's based on things going your way, whereas feeling fulfilled and sort of in, in, in joy about your life is something that I think is internally based. And and I think if you're if you're happy with your, or sorry, if you're fulfilled in your current life, it's kind of hard to look back and feel like a lot of resentment, you know, or regret, in my opinion, right? And I think that that's kind of how I look at it. So I think the best times of Moss's life are now because he's right here in this podcast with me and he's got Heather and he's got everything he needs. It's Yeah, it's it, actually, yeah, the best, it, it's great. I mean, I, I love my life currently. I love being here on the podcast with you. And I've done something to kind of segue into that for the last six years since I moved to Seattle. It's kind of like my Seattle tradition, I would say, that happened this weekend, which is the Penny Arcade Expo. And I know you're a huge gamer, uh, Danny. Yeah, yeah, uh, big guy. Big on the Nintendo, lots of Overwatch, World of Warcraft, <laughs> chess. I already lost you. Like, I couldn't even stay bluffing that I'm a gamer as soon as you said Overwatch. Like, I Overwatch, what is that? It sounds like a Night Stalker. I, I don't know. I mean, what is it? Overwatch is like it's a game by Blizzard and it's like a I don't even play I know it. Who like Blizzard a is. You know who Blizzard is Starcraft, World of right, Warcraft. Okay. Yeah. Um it's like their new online. It's like one of the largest games out there. It's bananas. And they have this um I don't play it though. That's the thing is I'm not I, I never got into it, but they have like a bunch of different modes and I know one of them was a thing called Lucio Ball because like one of them is uh, one of the characters called Lucio and it, been, it basically is just like soccer but like you're shooting the ball. It's like a first person shooter. Kind of like World of Warcraft, but first-person shooter style. And and listeners can be like, James, that's not what it is at all. Because I actually haven't played it. But from my understanding, there's that. But do you know what Penny Arcade and the I, Expo is? I do, is? I do. I actually, I've always wanted to go there. That, to me, sounds like a fun thing. Because you know me, I'm all about this. I'm a social cat. I love people, love being. So I think that would be a lot of fun, being at an environment like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, Penny Arcade itself is like an online comic that started in like the 19... 19- in 1998 or so and it grew into this huge thing there's a lot of game culture behind it and the penny arcade expo sort of like filled this niche between board game console pc game and comics in a weird way so it's kind of a like a little bit of a comic-con a little bit of e3 which is a big electronics game show but they're all over the place and open to everyone and i think that even grew bigger than e3 in a way to be honest because now there's a whole bunch of different penny arcade expos and the prime penny arcade prime which is kind of west um is here in seattle at our convention center i've gone every single year i've worked a booth a few years uh with one of my good buddies um uh, ben who just launched his game aztez uh, i worked his booth a few years ago and now i'm just dwindling i used to go like four three or four days and that's draining it's terrible it's like you hate your life at the end of it and that's just too much time so i go one day i don't even try to buy tickets online because they sell it too fast i just go on craigslist and buy them for 50 bucks and this year i went and i've it's so interesting danny because i love playing games i like looking at games but there is no way that I'm going to stand in line for three hours to play a five minute demo. That's just not going to happen. And like, I'm not going to stand in any line. So we went, it's not me. It's not what I do. It's like the game's going to come out in two months. I'm going to just buy it. I was talking to, I was talking to these kids. I was like, Oh, I don't play games. I just buy them. Just like, just give me your, give me your little insert. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just buy it. I'll just buy it. I may never play it after I buy it, but I just, just let me buy it. Let me, let let me have it. Yeah. But it was super fun because me and my buddies went and we get to like, look at a lot of games. I played maybe three games while we were there, but I got to look at a lot of stuff and it's a big spectacle. And like, there's so many people. It's a fun thing to do. Um, 
a lot of my friends actually from Phoenix come up or, you know, buddies I went to school with because they're in the scene. So I think, you know, since I was in the game industry for some time, it kind of brings me back to my roots. I'm like, oh, man, I could do this. Like, look at this. Look at that. You know, it kind of brings me back to my to my uh, childhood. But it's, it's always fun. I'm really excited about a lot of stuff coming out. You know, there's it's really crazy to see these huge. Imagine you, you went to a chess expo, right? And then there's like huge, crazy chess pieces that are like dragons, like you can ride them. And it was like, psh, you know, they did that type of stuff at these things. It's bananas. These booths are right. ridiculous. They're, I'm pretty sure there are. They're, the dragons aren't real, you mean? Or no? Anyway. Well, no, these are um, real dragons. They're like, Rah. right. Now, uh, speaking of games, uh, before we get to the big announcement, because the mystery is over in terms of what mods has got me, but before we do that, I think a more natural segue is the games that I actually had a chance to play. This last weekend, I was a part of a man venture. You know what a man venture is, right? I have no Uh, idea. No, what's that? Buddy of mine, uh, the the CEO of Chess.com, those who know him, his name is Eric. He turned 40. So Eric crossed into the 40, the 40 year old thing, the 40 year old, whatever that is. It's the next, the next stage of life. And, and, uh, I think it was a little rough for him. He's, he's, uh, he's an awesome human being. So he, uh, he wanted to bring together all the awesome human beings that he loves on the planet. So we had guys flying from all over to, to Northern California just for a couple of days. And we did a, a fun man venture thing with Eric where we, you know, just did some lake stuff, some biking, some running, some some just, you know, we played some Frisbee golf. But one of the things we did every night is everybody brought some different games. And I played all these new games that I literally cannot wait to get for my kids. Uh, we played this game called One Night Werewolf. You heard of that? I have heard of it. My, my, my buddies played a lot of just werewolf. Like, this is what they called it? Yeah, it's kind of like, werewolf, I think, is more like mafia, from what I understand. And... And we talked about mafia before on the show. Mafia, of course, where you get the mafia and you get the villi- you know, the the townsfolk, yeah. and you try to you try to out the mafia. One Night Werewolf is sort of similar, but it's timed. It's very very fast rounds, and it, each game only lasts like five minutes. So that was really fun, and and it's got some complicated extension cards and stuff that um it, it, we had enough players to play with. So I think that kind of made it even cooler. Uh, we played Peruto, which is a really simple dice game that I loved. Um, Peruto involves like a ton of like game theory as you get into like, you're just, you just shake a dice and flip it over. And it's just statistics based on what you think, what numbers you think there are. And, and you base it on, you know, the average, you know, depending on how many people are playing. Um, and so the games tend to be really close as you get down to it and people are doing game theory where they guess numbers that they know they don't have to try to put the other person in an awkward kind of statistical spot. So anyway, very, Peruto was fun. Um, and then we, Yeah, we have this, and then we have this new game called Bears versus Babies. Oh yes, which, how is it? Is it amazing? First of all, I love it, and I actually have this one with my kids too. So we played more with it, but it is, it's first of all, it's <laughs> it's by the same people that made Exploding Kittens. So for those people who know that game, you know that it's just some of the cards are just hilariously over the top, awkward. You know, you have whales wearing underpants, and you know a T-Rex who was also a tank who was also dancing. That's kind of what the cards are called, right? And so you're, you, the goal of the game is you build these monsters to attack the babies. The babies are the bad guys. The babies are, are the evil team. And um, But you also, are, like you also the- use the babies against the other players in the game, right? So they're, it's not exactly bears versus babies like you're the bear and they're babies, but you're supposed to build these bear monsters to be able to stand their own against the babies while also using the babies to destroy the other people's monsters. A quick summary yeah this of i so i was a kickstarter of both those projects of both um exploding kittens 
and bears versus babies. And I have it. I have like, it's like the case that it comes in is like all fuzzy and like, like ridiculous and over the top. And like, they do such a great job. And like, because it's made by the, what, um, it's the onion team and also K C Y K. I don't know what that one other online comic is X Y C Y, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, yeah, whatever it is. But is it amazing? Is it like the best card game ever? Like, did you play Exploding Kittens? It's a, I have played Exploding Kittens, and Exploding Kittens was great. Um, I think over time, Exploding Kittens, I, I feel like this is better. This is potentially better than Exploding Kittens. I don't want to say Exploding Kittens got a little repetitive, but I think it, you know, even as you get like the Imploding Kitten, there just wasn't enough variety to add when the deck is deep. I think you needed more players. And so Bears versus Babies seems to be dynamic enough where the way... The decks are built are different. The way the babies can appear is different. That it's not just pulling from a deck, which gets repetitive. I mean, to be honest, it's nothing against Exploding Kids. I think it's a phenomenal game. But I think just that format where you're kind of playing from one deck and everybody's drawing, you know, it can be a little bit, la- you know, lack a little bit of excitement. But this is, you know, this is dynamic. Um, it is a card game, but it's a card with sort of a rollout board and um, highly, highly recommended. But I also have to highly recommend people read Mott's new blogs that are coming soon. We know he's busy. He doesn't get to it. But in the these new blogs, Mots, you're going to have to talk about that your friend Danny finally came through and opened the package that you sent him. That's what I want to do. Like, basically, you know, we have the ability on blunders.fm to do blogging and like this type of stuff, your game reviews and stuff that is in this package, I'm going to start reviewing. Um, and I'm so happy I got, I, you know, we talked last week and I've been teasing it since episode one yeah. that, you know, I, I'm there's something coming, there's something coming and it finally happened. So I don't want to I'll let you unveil what something, happened. Something what delicious. What a great something day for delicious you. This way blows. So, um, so Mott's got me a couple things, and what I what I learned I didn't know is that they're actually both Kickstarter projects that he's funded. Um, so I'm already super excited about both. So one of them is the December Coffee Dripper, which is designed by coffee experts apparently, but it's basically a higher quality pour over thing for a single cup, a single cup pour over experience. Sometimes you're in the mood, you know, for a multiple cup experience, a plethora of coffee in your house. Sometimes it's a single cup adventure, as as Dane Cook would say. So, um, and then the other thing you got me was this, uh, the 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 pour over, the which. The fellow stag pour over kettle. Now, as you knew, I, I was, I've been going with the old school tea. Doesn't have the right, doesn't have the swan neck, right? It doesn't have the things it needed. And you got me a really sexy matte black. I mean, there's nothing like a flat black these days, mm-hmm. right? Not a glossy black, a flat yeah, black flat, that just, just, it looks, matte. it looks professional. Yeah. And, it looks good. Which and is as what usual, you want. You proved you're an angel and the best friend anybody can have. People don't know this about you. Like one time Mott's, one time Moss just like randomly bought me and a buddy of mine, each of us, a Wii U and new games for our kids. I mean, these are the things that you do that like people, I feel like I have to scream it to the world. You know, what a, what a, what a sweetheart you are. So this, this surprised me. I'm super, super thankful. You're really forcing me to up my coffee game and, um, well, and you I know. love you and thank, I love you and thank you so much. Well, they you're look welcome. really cool. You're welcome. And you know, I think that what I wanted to do is multiple things is one, amplify your coffee game because it improves this podcast, it improves your life, but we're also supporting small business, right? So which I really like. And so the few things that I'll talk about in these drippers and what I'm going to do is write a review of the December dripper because I have one too. So like this one is hot off like we got the first batch like you have one of the first December love it ever. Now what's cool about this is that a normal pour over um, funnel, if you will, pour over dripper, essentially, it, it just it all the coffee just goes down, right? You have no control over the flow. 
And that's what the December dripper tries to fix. There's four different settings. So you can rotate it. And inside of it in the bottom are essentially holes that based on your rotation, you have zero, one, two, or three different holes open in the bottom. So this means when you're fully closed, that's when you can start essentially letting everything bloom. So I start up and I just like close it, put the coffee and let it bloom. Just let it sit there for just like, you know, a little bit, just put a little bit of water, let it bloom up. And then based on how much coffee you want, you can essentially go stage one, stage two, stage three, and they're optimized for one, two or three cups of coffee that are going to come out of this puppy. And I've been really pleased with it. It uses just standard Kalito Kalito wave um, dripper um, inserts. So you can just use, you know, stuff off the shelves. I, I sent you some of those, which is nice. And this, of course, pairs beautifully with the fellow um, Stag Pour-Over. Now, I don't even have a fellow Stag Pour-Over. I'm getting their next version, which is their electric version, which I'm very excited about that I kickstarted. But this was their original Kickstarter. And what I love about your 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 pour-over kettle is better than my pour-over kettle right now. Because this thing has a... Have you handled it? Have you have you handled the counterbalanced handle? There I haven't yet. I haven't. I, I need to, but I, I haven't... I, I, I need to experience the full I don't don't be frustrated. Take a breath. I, I'm getting I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna handle it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna coffee handle it. Yep. I want your full breakdown next week, yep. hopefully after your first few no, cups of this thing has a thermometer on stop, the pre- precision pours out. And I've linked in the show notes, of course, to all these. But I wanted you to have even a better setup than me. So when you you no longer have to run across the street. Right. To, to Luke's house or to break in at a late time or early time in the morning, you know, exactly. or all that stuff or secretly have, you know, like secret motivations for why I still want a key to their house. And they're like, why do you still need a key to our house, Danny? Like, we're not taking any trips. Why do you still want that, buddy? That kind of thing. Exactly. You know? So <laughs> now we just need to get you on a coffee plan. And then um, but you got like what I was impressed with. Is I, you I already gotta, got the subscribe to a you subscribe. Bean. No, I need to. I need to subscribe to a blue ball. I haven't yet because, again, I, well, I was – remember, for those, again, who always think the, the situation with our other bestie, Luke, sounds creepy, for, to be to clear, let, let's clarify for people one time. I, I shared an office with Luke. at Our office share was at his house because him and Dinah, when they got together, like, they had plenty of room, right? Um, and they – um, they only have one kid. I have four kids, right? They had plenty of room in the house. So we, Luke and I, they had, a, they had enough extra rooms that he and I both had super high quality offices. So those who've been following me on chess.com and have seen the green screen and things come together, that started there. So I had like the biggest room in their house as my office. And I was there every day, not only during normal working hours, but often on weekends and things like that, because, you know, chess content and chess shows call at all times of night, right? The, the chess broadcaster never sleeps, I think they say in the business. So, so to be clear, as mods, you can confirm, I was at his house during all times and i actually i I helped pay for the first blue bottle we did i contributed it was like oh it was something we were doing together it was more like an office coffee share and then all of a sudden here comes this girl dinah taking over the house right they have a baby all of a sudden dan is no longer the top priority and i had to move out so so that's just a little bit more context to this mystery we've had (laughs) so for so long so that's why i have never had my own coffee game because i didn't need it for like two years of my life you know yeah, that makes sense. Oh, I agree. I mean, if I had that set up, I would, if I had the Luke uh, in my life across the street, like, why would I even bother? You know, it's it's like when you, if, if that's the thing is like, I look at some new houses and I'm like, maybe I get too close to a coffee shop. And if I'm too close to a coffee shop where I just walk downstairs and the coffee shop is there, then I'm never going to brew at home. I'm just going to waste right. all my money. So I need to have a little bit of separation. Right. Um, 
but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're excited. I'm glad that we're able to bring some of this coffee goodness together. And I look forward to your review. And I want to start up some blogs on the website, by the way, and do some reviews, have you do some reviews, blend this coffee, tech, and chess all together. So stuff we normally wouldn't blog, right? So like I, have, I own montamagno.com. I just relaunched my own personal blog, but that's all super Xamarin-y, techy stuff. But I want to talk about like reviewing the December brewer, right? Reviewing the stag kettles, things like that. I think that would be super relevant. I think our listeners would love it. Right. So Okay. Well, me too. I'm excited for that. You know what else Um, our listeners also love or hate? Do they? Chess. (laughs) (laughs) Love and hate chess. That's funny because that's exactly what my relationship is with chess as well. I love and hate chess and uh, I'm feeling a little bit under the water today as uh, Mott's New before we went live here, won't get into work issues, but you know, all of us are back from this man venture. And, and so I think we're all jumping into the, uh, into the pages of, of actually managing the world's largest chess website. But let's talk about the fun things that chess.com's about. Cause really the World Cup is what it's all about. For those of you who don't know, I'm going to leave a link here to kind of the main World Cup article. It's actually just moved into its second round. Um, it is, it is a ton of fun. It is it's probably the most exciting chess event that happens every two years. Um, much more exciting than the World Championship, which is just mono mono kind of heavyweight boxing, and it leads to a lot of draws because of all the preparation. The World Cup is a knockout event held currently in Tbilisi, uh, and the best players in the world are all there. It is a, if you are tied after the initial rounds, it moves to rapid. So other than our own speed chess championship, you know, and I would like to think uh, the events we do online because that format is even more exciting when it's like, you know, rapid the whole way through. And, but if I was, if I was really, you know, putting my own bias aside or not just my bias, the way a lot of fans feel aside about our events and, and talking from a chess purist perspective, the World Cup is the best because the truth is, as much as I love the events we do, um, the online events have not reached the high level caliber of, of the quality of chess play yet that over the board events do just because the time controls are longer, guys have more time to think and just that environment. So it's, the World Cup is just so much fun, and I really encourage everybody to check out the daily coverage. It's at chess.com slash TV. Um, now, is this like the FIFA World Cup, essentially? Because yeah, like you know that. I love World Cup. I'm a yeah, big yeah. fan. It's, the World Cup, it's not as prestigious as the FIFA World Cup because that's the granddaddy. The World Cup is what ultimately guys like Magnus Carlsen, which really speaks a lot because he's the one with the most to lose. He's the one on top of the chess throne. And he's playing uh, but again, right? He says that what he would like... What Magnus says, what he would like is he would like if every year the world champion had to put their title on the line in a format like this, which is frankly much more conducive to him losing the title because I, you know, I would put his chances at he's playing, but I would put his chances at winning the world cup very small, not because he's not the best, but because in a knockout format, you have like four one seeds, right? Like think of March Madness. I mean, the chances that either one of them wins, I mean, it it starts at what? Like less than 15% for any team to win it, you know? Um, even for even the top teams, like a 16 seed, it's like, there's really never a chance they can win. But so I really like that about Magnus. I agree with him that the future of chess should be something a little bit more exciting like that for the fans. Um, now, can I ask you a question really quick too? Yeah, go ahead. Now the world, the world cup. Now, which, where are the qualifiers where, you know, people can then battle Magnus essentially to become the world champion is that in the world because it wasn't there's this controversy where he is actually playing in the yes. event to qualify I, to play against him 
I love how much you pay attention to this. You are you are really following. So yeah, well, first of all, you're slightly opening a can of worms because not even the best chess players understand the FIDE World Championship cycle, which just tells you how broken it is. But I'm going to basically go from the top down because that's the easiest way to understand it. So you have the world champion, right? They are set to defend their title every two years in a match format. The qualifying events that lead to who that contender is, who is that opponent, right? Last year it was Karyakin, happens, or the, the, the single event that, deter- that determines that is the Candidates Tournament. And this has been around forever, which is great. The Candidates Tournament. There's the Candidates Tournament of 1953, a very famous one in Zurich that, that a book uh, Bronstein wrote, which is still one of the best chess books ever. So there's the famous Candidates Tournaments of 71, where Fischer dominated the Soviets to get the right to play Spassky. Um, still considered probably one of the single best, like, 11 games stretches any human has like ever had where Fisher just won every game just amazing so the candidates tournament is what decides that the Karyakin was there who gets into the candidates tournament that's where these other things come in you have you have the Grand Prix series you have events like the World Cup and then you have weird events that really don't have the prestige that should have that kind of thing but they do because of politics and money and 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 bureaucracy and so it is a messy system ultimately in terms of what decides who gets into the candidates tournament but once you get the candidates field these like usually it's 10 to 12 guys depending on what how they do it that year that tournament is a great one because it's deciding who's going to be the world championship contender and then the world championship title but i mean if you ask me now like who's leading the candidate system i'm sure i could find it in grand on chess.com's news i don't even know i don't even know when the next one is i think it's in moscova in october i don't even freaking know and yeah the, the fact that Magnus can even play in the World Cup, and if he wins this, he earns a right to play in the Candidates Tournament, like a, a, a guaranteed spot, when obviously that, that that can't happen, because if he won the Candidates Tournament, he'd play himself, so they'll that have to figure out match. how they're going to work around that loophole yeah. that Magnus is exploiting, but anyway. That would be a great match, if if so, though, if literally he did win, and then he Dude, had I to would, play. You know, I would have a field day with that comedy. I mean, I would I would dress myself up as one of the Magnuses and sit across from Magnus's fat head in my office. I mean, that that could be the best thing ever. And if there was someone that was gonna do it, it would be Magnus. You know what I mean? It like, would be Magnus. Would do, sure. He would do it. Yeah. So that's what's going on. There's other things. We had a new episode of Chess Center. People like I'm currently involved in, in planning next year's Pro Chess League season, which has been a lot of the stress on me this week. I won't get into that, but those are some of the things that our our loyal listeners may hear come up over the next few months, the Pro Chess League and stuff. But otherwise, it's it's really all World Cup right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to start getting all into this. I've been, you know, every day I just go to chess.com and I read the news. It's kind of like this nice hand curated feed. And what I like is like this blend of what's going on in chess, but then also these other more stories like you know you know it's not just like what's going on but it's more just like here you want to learn about this thing in chess or whatever so i do that every day you may not know danny but this is what i do i actually do i'm actually interested in your world and i like to stay up to date and uh i do that actually by watching chess center i love this this it was a nice short when i linked it in the show notes it's only like what 12 minutes or something long um Good stuff. I was really, I really like that show. I know we we had a hot debate over people liking or hating it, but I like it because you have. I get to learn not only not only get to see your beautiful face, but I get to see all these other you know really awesome professionals that you work with on a daily basis. That I'm starting to learn more about the other commentators and GMs 
in kind of their thought processes and their expertise, which is really cool to um, to actually learn a little bit about. So no, I'm glad because, you know, it's, it is a little bit of a love hate thing with the chess world because it is so different than anything that was ever done before. And then it's also it's a weird it's a it's a news highlight show. It's a highlight show for chess. But regardless of the love hate relationship for chess center that some people have, nobody has that relationship with this next segment of our podcast. And that, of course, is Mott's reminding us of why technology is ruining their lives. It's my favorite segment every week because I get I'm just waiting to see what you have prepared for us today. So tell us, tell us why technology is ruining our lives or shall it be not ruining our lives this week? Yeah, this week I have two great stories and the first one will be nice, short and sweet. Um, I don't know if you know, but we at one point and still continuously do this, we send people in rockets into space. Do you know about this? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's a thing that I have heard heard of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, I think I talked about a little bit where you can just go watch uh, in 4K, the live feed from the International Space Station on YouTube. Like you can just go stream it in real time. It's pretty much ridiculous. And, and Heather and I were watching this and um, something really awesome happened um, not too many days ago. You could watch it live streamed, of course. Um, but the three astronauts, there were six astronauts in space. They go three and then there's three and there's six and they rotate. Um, our three astronauts came home, uh, two from the U.S., um, Jack Fisher and Peggy uh, uh, Whitson. I'll talk about in a second, but also uh, Russian as well came home. They landed in Russia. What's amazing here is that um, America's most experienced astronaut, um, Peggy Whitson, who just set a award, uh, an award like the longest time in space of 288 days um, aboard the International Space Station. She truly is a national hero, the national hero that no one's talking about besides it, that, that her and her fellow astronauts, you know, came bombarding down into uh, into into Russia. And uh, there's a really cool article on CBS News to read a little bit more. There's actually a website you can go to. It's howmanyastronautsareinspace.com or something like that. And you can read about that. How many astronauts are currently in space.com? Yep. We'll link to that. It's pretty cool. And now there's three new ones and they're going to be they're in space by themselves right now. And then three new ones will be going up pretty soon. But Peggy's pretty awesome. Uh, she's uh, a, a B.A., um, I mean, that she's is ridiculous. Cool. She is. An, There's so much guts to do that. And I, I just don't know how I could relate to that. Like, sometimes I feel like the things that stress me out, the things I worry about are so minuscule compared to like a job that like, I mean, she puts her life, physical body, her, the rest of her well-being is like forever determined by the events that happen in space. And then, you know, the landing. And now you spend all this time recovering because of all the loss of, you know, yeah. bone mass and all this stuff from from uh, the lack of gravity and it's just crazy, right? The commitment that people have to that, man, I need, I need to put my commitments in check. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, so she's now, she's gone up three times. She's now been in space at the space station for 665 days, 22 hours, 23 minutes, which is 131 days more than her closest NASA competitor, right? Which is crazy. And then, um, um, what else has she done? She's, Um, served twice as a space station commander. She has a PhD in biochemistry and she's the most experienced female spacewalker with 60 hours and 21 minutes 
on 10 different excursions. It is, it's nuts. Bananas. So that's just amazing that we're still sending people into space. Peggy is amazing. Um, And I think that's a really cool story. Like space is something that super interests me. We're we're like, we're getting, you know, we're sending these, we sent these things out there um, to go survey, you, you know, just planets and stars and like things are still going from like, you know, 20, 30, 40, like it's bananas just to think of what's outside of there. So I think it kind of brings me back to that solar eclipse day watching out, like everyone being fascinated, go read about Peggy. She's a phenomenal um, astronaut um, and kind of take it over. I'm kind of, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm kind of browsing this a little bit, looking at some of the pictures. Amazing to me. Oh, it's amazing. It's Uh, amazing. It's amazing. In fact, I'm going to end it on a high note and I'm going to talk about my second story, Danny, because I just want you to, to take in Peggy as is. And the, you know, the other amazing astronauts, Jack Fisher, for instance, he was out doing a spacewalk when Heather and I were watching and he did like a selfie of himself, which was pretty yeah. funny. Like he took the camera off and like did a selfie of himself. But it's really cool. It's actually really interesting to think about how they land too. Like there's a photo here. Yeah. Of the- yeah. I was just thinking like, how do you not land face first? Like that, cause you can't move, right? Like what if something goes wrong in the tech and like the wobble is off as far as I understand the seats are weighted in a certain way. And obviously it's super advanced and well-tested, but I would be like panicked as I'm falling toward earth. Like if the seat flips around yeah. and all of a sudden I, I face plant, like, you know, I mean, I've, I've belly flopped into a pool before and that didn't feel good. Yeah. Which is you know, no good. I, I, this is, I can't imagine belly flopping on planet Earth. And it's and it's like all, so, all that is is like between them and the ground is like this pod that has just like a parachute. And it's like, yeah, this parachute will be fine. You're just rocketing down from space. No big. D- and it was really quick. Like it only took a few minutes for them to get from space to the ground. We were watching it. It was really kind of bananas um, just to even like watch and just kind of comprehend that they're moving so unbelievably fast. Um, it's It's crazy. Um, but it's really cool. I mean, to think about this and even just that we have the ability now to have this like real time connection with space and to see what they're doing in space and get this Intel. I mean, this is stuff that as a, a kid growing up is stuff I could only dream about. And now I can actually literally just go onto YouTube and just be like, Oh, I'm just going to watch them hang around space and like see these beautiful, awesome views. I mean, how cool is that technology has come that far? But then, then the next thing is that you have things like SpaceX, right? And we're going to start blasting just people into space. Like, and you know, it's, but it's awesome. I don't know. I think it's so cool. Yeah, I, I think it is. And I, you know, we could go on and on here because then it starts leading me to a guy I follow on Twitter, Elon Musk and all the, the future future endeavors that humanity has ahead of them in regards to traveling and enjoying and, and you know, it's time for us to time for us to go beyond, you know, hashtag Star yeah, Trek. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Star Trek. And um, yeah, I went to go. So we went to a show last night, Heather, and I went to go see. Do you know Nathan Fielder from Nathan for you? You know. Oh, I love Nathan Fielder. Nathan Fielder. Hilarious. Dude. Amazing. So he does a live show. It was a Nathan for you sneak peek of the upcoming upcoming season and Q&A. And right. I didn't really know if Nathan Fielder did live stand up at all. Uh, he doesn't really. He definitely improved a lot of it. And he's just as awkward and funny in person as he is in the show. Exact same humor. Like, that's just who he is. And right. just super awkward and just hilarious yeah. and if people don't know what nathan for you is it's a show on comedy central that everyone should just youtube and watch i watch the ghost realtor one that's one of my favorite ones but essentially yeah. nathan fielder he has a business degree uh, he's from canada 
and he learned a bunch of stuff and he wants to help small business owners evolve, but he does it in a weird, wacky way. So like the ghost realtor is this realtor who's having you know problems struggling with a realtor. And he's like, what people don't like is that when you go into a house that they may think that they're ghosts. So he's like, what we're gonna do is turn you into the only, we're gonna call you the ghost realtor and you're gonna guarantee that there's no ghosts in the house by like performing extras. And, like, and people go along with it. It's ridiculous and it's amazing. Right. Um, <laughs> no, I, I remember that episode. I, 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 re- I could go on so many of them right now, but some of them have like really pushed the envelope of awkwardness where like my wife who kind of like really struggles with the cringe worthy awkward comedy, right? Like she struggles with Michael Scott in the office, mm-hmm. right? Like she like has moments where she just can't even watch anymore. Like where he just absolutely, uh, he just pushes the envelope so far. Uh, usually it involves when like he puts himself into it. Like the one where he uh, created the car, the car wash thing where it was all about getting the employee of the month award. Yeah. You see that yeah. one? And then he like gives himself the employee yeah. of the month award. It's so good. And like, so he sneak, he, he premier like, so, so Nathan, right. He premiered some of his show, but he did this Q and a with real people and they get to your Elon Musk is someone asked him, he's like, can you explain like this, you and your Elon Musk connection? And I had no idea or whatever, but apparently Elon Musk is a huge fan of Nathan Fielder oh, really? and Nathan for you. And okay. he invited he, he goes, and Nathan's telling the story and he goes, he goes, um, yeah, do you want to like come hang out, uh, where I build all these space rockets and have lunch? And Nathan's like, all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so he's just hanging out. And apparently like, like Elon Musk is just telling him all how he's going to, you know, start a colony on Mars and do all this stuff. And there's like eating lunch, overseeing like all the SpaceX stuff get like made or whatever. It was like ridiculous. Um, anyways, that's, 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 uh, that's my story. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. crazy. That's so funny. No, and he's uh, so. But how? But give me this. I mean, how was he? Did you enjoy him as much live as as the show? As you as the so show. So he, he. So here's the the show was interesting because we weren't sure what the show was going to be. We're like, what if he just comes out on stage and says hi, and then plays a video? I mean, we had no idea because it was called sneak peek and Q and A. So what he did is he did a little bit of stand up and improv in the beginning, really funny, and then he just played a new, a full episode of next season. And like, you know, he's like, "Here's here's an episode," and it was ridiculous and he and hilarious, and I can't talk about it. Um, he came back out and then he said, "Well, you know, we did this last year and the year before, and we do Q and A." Um, he's like, "So who has a question?" And what he ended up doing is he brought three people on stage. Um, and like had a conversation with them. And then they, then after he learned a little bit about them, could then, um, could, um, ask them the question. Now, here's the problem with that, Danny, as you already know, what's going to happen is that you have, if you have good people, they don't have to be funny, but if you have people that literally can communicate and say words out of their mouth, then that's going to be a good thing to bring someone on stage from the audience, right? But if literally people are super awkward and can't even explain what they do for a living, then you're going to have some issues. And I don't know what it is about Seattle people, if we're all super awkward or what, or what, but literally all three people were terrible. And he was just like, bait, you know, biting, like pulling teeth essentially to get anything out. And he did best of it. But like, if you had better people on stage, it would have been a better show. Not his fault, though. Literally Seattle's fault. I was like, oh, I wish they would have picked me so I could come up on stage. Right. Um, right. And like people were kind of insulting him a little bit too. 
And I was just like, what are these people's problems? Like, what is, you know, like you paid $45 or whatever, 40 bucks or whatever is to go to the show. And you're going to like insult the guy. Like the first guy he goes, he goes, you know, Nathan, he's like, he's like, okay, you can ask your question. This guy worked at the Apple store and like, it's just all yeses and nos. I'm like, dude, have a freaking conversation. Like, it's not like it's thousands of people. It was maybe a few hundred people. Right. I mean, still a scary situation, but, um, the guy goes, oh, he's like, do you want to hang out after this? Maybe get some burgers or something. And that's a pretty good question. Like, that, that's pretty funny. And Nathan says, no, of course. And he goes, he goes, you know, that's an interesting question, blah, blah. He goes, yeah, my, he goes, my wife, my wife thinks you have no friends. So if you want to hang out, maybe we could become friends. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> stupid. I got to admit, though, that sounds a little bit like the show. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> And it would have been okay if you just stopped there, but then he like reiterated a few times, you know what I mean? So it, it was okay. But the, I, yeah. if you're a Nathan for you fan, like you will love it. We laughed our butts off. It was really quite entertaining. And the, and the new episode was really cool. And just to see how he is in person was, was really delightful. Right. Yep. All right. Well, cool. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a cool experience to have. I can't wait to see the, uh, the next season, but uh, thanks for sharing yep. that. That was an interesting little story. Yeah, just what we do here on Blunders, just interesting, awesome stories. And sometimes we get some awesome stories from our listeners, Danny. And we We haven't done this in a little while. We haven't done it in a while. And we're not going to read full questions, but... We did have a follow-up from Mitch who we, we talked about, we, we kind of our take on web browsers, if you remember, and our take on coffee. And I just wanted to, he did a PS and then a PPS. And I don't know what the PPS stands for on his email. Was that postscript? It's like post 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 script yeah i think that's all it means. Oh, okay there's ps there's pps and then there's ppps i've seen I, i've seen people write emails like that just for fun <laughs> oh my goodness post 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 script. So, yeah sometimes people do it to be ironic which is not ironic it's more like the alanis morissette definition of ironic which really was a whole song about the wrong definition of irony so anyway continue sorry uh, <laughs> well it, it is pretty ironic <laughs> that is pretty ironic that we don't would, you think isn't it ironic actually don't, don't you think, think? Uh, first off, he does. I love this. His first PS, I will say to answer our question, because I guess we asked him a question. He is. He goes, you know, I'm a diamond member. Member Papa Birds. Love, love it. it. Papa Birds. So funny. So he's a, he's a diamond member on chess.com. Hashtag. Thank you. Hashtag. You're welcome. Oh, we watched. Think talking about Moana. We watched Baywatch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The re-release. Hilarious. Is it hilarious? Okay, I can't wait to see it then, because it's a movie my wife actually wants to see. Secretly, she has a crush. She would leave me in a heartbeat, I think, for a few men. One of them is Zac Efron. The other one is Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Can't really blame her for yeah, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, right? Yeah, you're going to um, love it. You're going to love it. <laughs> okay, no, but she actually wants to see that. It looks funny, so we got to yeah, see it. It's it's pretty much amazing. Um, all right, so what else do I have? So he's in PPS. Also, he's writing this email from a coffee shop in upstate New York. He grabbed a nice Ethiopian pour over. And I like this because he is inspired. And he's going to attempt to cut back on sugar and cream until he goes completely black coffee. And he says, I feel like black coffee is a club and I want to be in it. That is well said. It is a club. And I actually am also, I for being, you know, sort of the uh, the punchline of an ill-equipped coffee setup joke here on the show, which it deserved because I, you know, I'm not in the league of, of, of Mott's trying, I'm aspiring to, but um, I, I have gotten to that level, especially when you're drinking Blue Bottle, right? I mean, I go now though, I, I look for the menu of what's the highest quality, what do I want to try here? What's the best roast that I don't need to put in? Partly because I've shared I'm dairy-free now, so partly I've like been avoiding cream, 
because of that. Um, but it's been, uh, it's been, it's really, really great to be a part of the Black Coffee Club, the uh, all just, you know, no additives coffee club. I like it. It's the best. That's what I just had a, a cup this morning. Um, just, just black coffee. It's good when you have good equipment. Now Danny is equipped and ready to go. Um, Danny, I got to hell get, get out of here really soon, but I did have one other question from our listener in your 30 to 60 seconds, maybe one real recommended thing here. One of our members asked, they're trying to learn and they do really good, um, reading in chess. And I'm always interested in reading. I like reading. I like words on pages. Um, right. do you have any, especially when they come together to form meaning? meaning yes. So do you have any recommended reading as far as books go or do you just recommend other things online to learn and up your chess game i do that a lot on the chess today show try to make that show a little more interactive so if anyone wants to tune in for that that's a good plug for that it's kind of a it's like a webcast podcast style show where i just go online and kind of go through the day of chess.com and do some things but it always has fan interaction and that's kind of the goal so um it's hard to answer that question Mots quickly only because it really depends on the level of the player and certainly there are so many books but um, some personal favorites I mentioned one Zurich International 1953 which is a book by Bronstein for the candidates uh, tournament that year that is a for the already experienced tournament player looking to become the advanced level chess player um, for beginner chess players Pandolfini's books are phenomenal uh, uh, Bobby Fischer teaches chess. That's got to be it. Bobby yeah, Fischer yeah. teaches chess for beginners is also a phenomenal way to get started. It's by Bobby Fischer, but it is also a a good fundamental approach to kind of really diving into some organized thinking. You can skip past the beginning where he talks about how to move the pieces and get into some of the other stuff. So, um, and, and the list could go on. So I think it's easier when someone says, Hey, I'm this level and, and this is something I'm trying to learn. Cause then believe it or not, that actually leads to more specific recommendations. Cause then like 50 more books pop into my head. Cause I'm thinking in that specific kind of area. Right. Whereas it's just like, Hey, like going to a doctor and say, hey, I don't feel good without saying, oh, it's my foot that hurts or it's my throat, right? Then like, it's like, I'm like shooting in the dark a little bit. So it's a little hard to say, but um, Zurich International is my personal favorite book of all time. So um, greatly, greatly recommend that. And I think we'll leave it. We'll leave I it with that. that. I'm going to put those book. in the show notes and probably pick up this book. If it's your favorite book of all time, you can get it on paperback, $14.44 on Amazon. Yeah, it used to be out of print and they brought it back. I love that. So- yeah. Definitely get it. Awesome. Well, Danny, we covered so much. This is a great episode. I love everything. We even had Nathan Fielder made an appearance. He should, you know, we should get him on the show we more should. often. I'll, I'll reach out to him. Maybe he's into chess. <laughs> maybe he's into coffee. I don't know. We can find out. All right, buddy. Well, you can find out right, more blunders.fm at James Montemagno at Daniel Wrench on Twitter. Danny, go make some coffee. I will, All babe. Right. I will. All right. All right, Papa. See you. Love you. <laughs> love you, too.